everyone, I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher. My co-host Kathy King and I want to welcome you to Writing Works Wonders. We want you to feel encouraged and inspired and know the wonder of writing. We are so glad you're here with us. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Writing Works Wonders. Welcome to Writing Works Wonders. We're so pleased you're with us for this author interview episode. Our special guest is Marlene Massat. Today we will discover a wealth of information from Marlene as she is one who writes across genres, including mystery, poetry, suspense, plays, and more. We will also ask about the success distributing her book across several channels and different venues. First, we want to remind you we have the exactly 52-word contest. Find all details at writingworkswonders.com and click Contact Us. All the options are there. I'm Dr. Kathy King, and I'm so pleased to introduce you to my fabulous co-host, Cheryl McNeil-Fisher. Cheryl, come on down. Hey, Kathy. Hi, everybody. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad to be here. This week, our prompt was to be your favorite pet. Tell us from the animal's point of view, genre, your choice. Carol, you ready to go first? I am. The title is My Life. My name is Twinkle Toes. I am a chocolate brown cat. My brother's name is Fancy Pants. We've lived here since we were kittens. There's an upstairs and a downstairs. Lots of blankets and cushions, dark places to hide, and sunny windowsills. Food choices, clean water, and a big litter box. A person is at the door to let us in and out. We're slower now. We stay in more. Life is good. Those cats okay. are well taken care of. <laughs> Marlene, did you want to read yours? When I go outside my door, like to sniff around, explore, dig down deep inside the earth, lie inside my sweet, cool berth. I am ginger, my color apricot, English mastiff. I am curious a lot. The end. That's great. Thank you. You're very talented. Go ahead, Zeb. Okay. So this is a little over the word limit, but it's, it's from the point of view of a bird. I am weightless. Wings aloft, I catch the thermals and wind my way into the sky. I have only to sense, to feel the breezes and movements of air. These cost me to shift my weight or my head or a few feathers ever so slightly to catch the rising molecules and bring me to the next altitude. It is a slow ascent, unhurried, as I watch the trees and ponds below me get smaller. Though I do this many times a day, I never tire of this. I think about those who are earthbound, and I wonder what it would be like to have such mass. I cannot. It makes my heart heavy just to think about not being able to simply jump into weightlessness. How must they survive, those poor creatures who have only their legs to carry them? Why don't their hearts break knowing they're so constrained? I would die from the crush of muscle and bone and sadness. Wow, that really Thank makes you, you think. Excellent. Thank you for that. Kim, this is about my cat. During a visit 
from some family a couple weeks ago. My ears perk up. It's happening again. Too many voices. Company. I run and hide. At night, I explore and do what I need to do. A baby cries. My favorite bedroom doors are locked. But no children are coming. This baby human can't walk yet. So I show myself. The company talks to me. I hide again. They leave. The end. Really makes you think about how they think about interactions with people that they don't know and unusual circumstances and all. Thank you for that. Welcome. Okay, so we'll move on to our interview with our guest author, Marlene Massat, and I'll briefly introduce her to you, even though I could go on and on. Marlene Massat writes across genres. She publishes mystery series, suspense, short stories, romance, poetry, and even a play. She identifies as a contemporary Christian author. The Purging Fire is the first volume in her mystery series. It deftly weaves together mystery, love interests, and danger in the life of a college student who is mostly blind. Marlene has loved writing since an early childhood. From Manchester, New Hampshire, She's legally blind and moderately deaf due to nerve damage from when she was born prematurely. And we're proud to say you might have heard her name and voice before on our podcast because she is one of our very talented authors who often participates in our audience on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern. All right. Hi, Marlene. I'm so glad you're here. And what a great introduction, Kathy. Um, Marlene, we, you can tell a lot of people enjoy our prompts. Why do you think people love prompts so much? That is an excellent question, Cheryl. Prompts are call to action that they are very stimulating. A prompt is a trigger that's meant to get your brain in gear, help you with the thought process. And they're very enjoyable, especially here. A good example is the one that you gave last week. The prompt uh, include Friday the 13th, left-handers day, and Kool-Aid in a story of 50 words. Friday the 13th, immediately your mind goes to scary. Well, being a mystery writer... When you said Kool-Aid, I immediately thought blood. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm left-handed, so it was kind of a no-brainer. They can be challenging and fun. We're so glad everyone's enjoying them. And for those of you that don't know, you can submit them and we put them up on our website with your permission. You are successful at something that many authors find very challenging and some won't even attempt it in writing across genres. How do you do it and why do you feel it's beneficial if and when an author can do that? I really don't consciously think about writing across genre, but what you like to read, you will probably like to write about. I've always found that writing is something that comes easily to me, so I've never had a problem with it. Stories usually are either character-driven by the people that populate your stories or idea-driven 
by your plots, which is more what I do. So I don't consciously say, oh, I'm going to write in this genre or that genre, but I'll get an idea and write about it. And I just know that that belongs to a specific genre just because of having done a lot of reading. And, uh, and don't be afraid to try different things. Practice really is the key. The, the more you write, the more you'll get used to writing and the better you'll be at it. So Marlene, very interesting from an author's perspective. I think our audience and participants would be very interested in this. Your books are available across many markets, and we often find that difficult as authors. Your books are available in Amazon, Audible, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, even Target. How were you able to accomplish this? Well, actually, through Writer's Digest, I found Ingram Spark. I knew they were a book distributor, but I didn't know they actually have where you can get free uh, articles and information about writing, but they have a wider market than just KDP, which is Kindle Direct Publishing for Amazon. So through my writers group, I found DLD books, but they will help you with any aspect of your writing. They helped me get my books up on Amazon. What I did is I called David and I asked him, since he does KDP, would he be willing to try to publish through Ingram Spark? And he said, yes, he wouldn't. Uh, it's basically the same idea as KDP. You get a template and you put your book into their template, but I had a hard time doing that. So that's why I have David and he helps me. Also, through Ingram Spark, I found Findaway Voices, which is a distributor of audiobooks. And I went through them to get the purging fire done in audio. And I was very pleased with the result. My narrator, Timothy G. Little, is absolutely excellent. He performed the book with such precision because the voices were very crucial for the characters. So Findaway Voices has a choice where you can have a wide distribution and they distribute just about (laughs) everywhere audio is available, some places I've never even heard of. And my book is available through public library digital media as well, like Hoopla. This is very good information and I've taken down notes and we'll include these names and organizations in the show notes. So all of this will be archived on the website. Thank you for that, Marlene. Absolutely. That's powerful information. Ingram Spark is a very important source to be able to publish with because as you indicated, not only the audio, but it also gets your hardback books into the library system so that librarians can look at them and decide whether they fit their particular library or not. When you go just through KDP, that does not happen. That's a very important aspect of Ingram Spark as well. Marlene, I'd love to ask you about, we're going to come back to Purging Fire, but I want to ask you about a very unusual suspense novel you wrote. Folks, this is so unusual. Cat Stalker Sonnets. Okay, listen to that name. Cat Stalker Sonnets. It's a fun read, but what's unusual about it is that Marlene, for some reason, decided to combine a novel with sonnets as the basic overall structure. Could you explain that to us and what brought you to that point? (laughs) The mind's a jackal so unkind from rambling (laughs) of a twisted mind. Past and present make no difference. A tragic waste of innocence. Not that I love to 
well or love too much, would that again I could feel her touch. Within my restless soul grows weary. Why does love consume in fury? That's part of one of the sonnets. And I guess one of the major questions of the book was, who wrote the sonnets? <laughs> well, technically, I wrote the sonnets, but they were supposedly written by the villain. And I had this picture of a tortured soul, really. He, in the background, that well, it comes out a little bit in the last chapter, but he is tortured by the fact that in his past, he loved someone named Kathy and with a C, he accidentally killed her. She's tortured by this. And then he meets in the book, the main character, her name is Catherine, but Cat for short. So hence the cat stalker sonnets. She's being stalked by this guy and she has no clue to who it is or why it is. And he equates her with his past and he's just, he wants her, but he then he taunts her and it's like a back and forth and he really is messed up over it. So that that's where that <laughs> came from. And the idea was I wanted to write a separate novel that was, uh, I guess, standalone. And I had intended to write without people with disabilities as characters, but I decided to make Katrin uh, somewhat nearsighted. So she, she can't drive. She's legally blind. But the point is I cannot write without including people with disabilities, because that's part of who I am. So following Jesus, a passion for mystery, and inclusion for people with disabilities are the things that, that I'm about. Yeah, we incorporate our lives a lot of times when we write, we draw Absolutely. from our experience. Yeah, yes, definitely. So why use sonnets as the vehicle how did you stumble on that idea i mean he could have taunted her and stalked her in so many ways we hear it all the time i can't think of a major movie that they use sonnets to stalk somebody marlene where <laughs> where did this <laughs> well in the first chapter i had the message on the answering machine it was the four lines of from the beginning of a poem as soon as i finished writing the first chapter i was thinking about this guy it came i just finished writing that poem and I just sat right there and wrote out those four sonnets right then and there right at the end of the first chapter and I've included them as bonus material in the back and there's also a sonnet by her boyfriend kind of makes you wonder who the stalker really is so yes yeah so it emerged and yes. it's probably partly because I would expect because you're a poet so this is a vehicle that you express through and it comes to you. It's part of your communication and writing skill and all. And But it emerged as you were developing this character, it seems like. Yes. That right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Fascinating, fascinating. I think it's very unique. I, I really love the way that you did that. Now, there's something else interesting about this book. I'd love to tell the participants about this as well, because as writers, it's very interesting, the history. I noticed as I was going through your website about this book that was originally published in 2014 and then republished in 2021. And I know usually well, wait a minute. The first publisher would have had the copyright. How the heck did she get the copyright and republish it with a different? What's going on here? This is really unusual. And we chatted about it, you and I. So could you explain how this worked out? How were you able to republish this and obtain the rights? Well, 
technically, when you register a copyright, you are the owner of that copyright unless you give exclusive rights to the to the publisher. What happened with Tate was they went out of business and and that's the 2014 I, publisher. Yeah, they, actually, they did not register the copyright as they said they would, but they did not do it. So what happened was when they went out of business, the book immediately went out of print. So then it was just a matter of republishing. So what I did was I went and got another international standards book number to make it my book rather than their book. So uh, I was able to republish it. And who did you use at that point? I went to DLG Books. Okay. So because you hadn't signed over the copyright to them, they hadn't gone through and registered that copyright, then you didn't have to purchase it or anything. None of that was an issue. Correct. And you were able to just republish it again. Very unusual circumstance. Usually doesn't happen that way. You're very fortunate. (laughs) What a great story in itself. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a really good illustration of what happens when publishers go out of business and that happens more and more. Cheryl? Just touching on that, a, a branch of Macmillan called Pronoun, that's where I originally had my eBooks and then they closed that branch. And so then all of a sudden my eBooks were not up. So I, in turn, process of doing that with my children's books and republishing them and putting them under a new ISBN, just mainly because there's new illustrations too. And I understand a little bit about that. So thank you for sharing that. And Marlene, now we're going to go back to your mystery series. How did you get the idea for your mystery and how many books are going to be in this series? There will be four books in the series altogether. The idea was inspired by B.J. Hoff's Daybreak Mystery Series. She has five books, and that is available on Audible. It's also available through the National Library Service's BARD website. And her main character, Daniel Kane, was blinded in an accident prior to the book. So her main hero is blind. And I actually wrote to her. That her series first came out in the late 1980s in print. And I wrote to her and she said, he has a singing eye dog as well. And she said she has no friend. She knows no one who is blind. She did it all through research. I said, well, good heavens. I mean, I know about being legally blind. I've been all my life. So if she can do it with just research, I should be able to do it from experience. (laughs) So the Purging Fire was born. That came from a actual experience in college when I was a sophomore in 1970. During Vietnam, we were having bomb threats on campus and we were getting these phone calls like You'd hear heavy breathing, you know, obscene phone calls in the dorms because they didn't have security and stuff back then. That's where the idea came from for The Purging Fire. And then the second book is The Snowball Effect. And the spoiler, I guess, is that uh, now that it's already out, Missy and Alex finally get to go on their honeymoon in the second book. The third book, which I hope will come out next year and which I hope will get some recognition, is titled Whirlwind of Fear. And that is going to be a kidnapping of a deafblind high school student. And I hope, Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that will be really good. The fourth book is Terra Terra, which T-E-R-R-A-T-E-R-R-O-R just got a couple chapters started. And that's probably going to be more a 
about Alex's brother, Ben, who's briefly mentioned in the first book, but it's, it's going to involve the main characters as well. Very interesting. And when you're doing your books, do you outline them ahead of time or do you do more of a free flow as do you get inspired as you write? I mean, <laughs> right now you have ideas, but how does your creativity work? <laughs> Haphazardly. <laughs> I would say that I am a pantser. I, I get an idea and I run with it, which is the yeah. bad way to do it. But that's good. It's good. It's good, Kathy. It's good. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I try to outline it as I go along. I used to start with an outline of, okay, the elements of the story. You have, you need your characters, you need your plot, you need your theme, you need your point of view. You know, that that's what I started with. And then I would outline each chapter as I went along. I love chapter titles. I think it helps with adding intrigue and interest to the book. So I always use chapter titles, but I have an idea uh, and then I get excited about it and then I finally get started. I know where I'm going. I always know how the ending is going to come out, but getting there is a little hard. You get into the middle and it's like, oh, well, well let's see. What am I doing now? <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that's any help, but outlining, yeah, well, outlining definitely helps. <laughs> yeah, I think we can be a little of both. You know, Kathy and I laugh about it. We're a little of both. Have your thought process and outlining, but yet you're going with it and being open to change as you go along. I think that's that's good. <laughs> I'm encouraging you. I believe in you. I support you. <laughs> as one creative to another. <laughs> I'm going to switch again back to poetry a little bit and talk about your book called edgy poetry book and I told you I've read it and last night I reread it probably three more times the intro was starting with a poem ending it with it and I turned my speed down to 30 at one point just so I could hear the words and feel it how did you learn to write such amazing poetry oh thank you I first got introduced to poetry in my freshman year of high school I really don't understand anything about music, but the rhyme and rhythm of poetry, I just caught on to it right away, maybe because it's done with words. And that's why I like to say poetry is music and words, because it really is. Um, I, I just picked up on it and I loved it. I enjoyed reading it. And I would dabble and practice writing poetry once in a while. Before I joined Behind Our Eyes Writers Group for People with, with Disabilities, I had one document, one long string of poems I'd written over the years. Now, thanks to my writer's group, I can tell you that I have folders with poetry books that are ready to go that I've been working on for the last two years. That's amazing. You said two years you've been with Behind Our Eyes? Uh Uh-huh. Accomplishing that. That's wonderful. Hear that, everybody? That's fabulous. What are your favorites? What do you like to write? And what's the difference between a prose and poetry? I guess I like to write sonnets (laughs) and limericks. (laughs) 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 Tried to do some story poems. I don't want to stay just ballads because you can have a story poem in different forms and oh my goodness if you can think of a form it's probably 
out there as a poetic form. You, one of your sources on your website is Writer's Digest, which is kind of the Bible of, of writers. And Robert Lee Brewer, who is a, a poet and does a lot with poetry, has a guide of poetic form. And I guess he started out with around 50, and now he's up to 168 poetic forms. So it's just <laughs> phenomenal. I mean, if you can think about it, think of it, it's, it's probably a poetic form. The difference between prose and poetry, as you said last week in your broadcast, we have to start with words. If we're going to write anything, that's the beginning. In prose, when you start with words, words form sentences, and sentences form lines. In poetry, you have lines composed of beats, and that's where the music part of it comes in. In prose, your string of sentences from your lines together form a paragraph. In poetry, your set of lines together makes a stanza. In prose, paragraphs of sentences flow into complete thoughts, which are paragraphs, and paragraphs are separated by indents or by blank lines. In poetry, your stanzas are separated by blank lines. So that's, that's a very simple, basic introduction to prose and poetry. <laughs> yeah, so I can see what you're describing there. You're describing the similar functions but how they're differently formatted, say, shaped and formatted. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Allowed for in prose versus poetry. Yes. That's very helpful to be able to see the similarities and differences. That's a good way to approach it, to get us further in the technical comparison. Thank you for that. That's very helpful, Marlene. That's a good piece to get us started with it. And I think that resource in Writer's Digest will be very helpful as well. Mm-hmm. How would you develop your skills as a poet? What would you recommend? One of the best things you can do is join a writer's group. Writer's groups are places where you're going to get positive critiquing, helpful criticisms, not meant in a negative way in any way. Mm -hmm. And our group also has something called Writer's Reading Workshop, where you can actually practice reading out loud before you come on to the Writing Works Wonders podcast and do mm-hmm. an excellent reading. Now, I was one that would never, ever, ever, I said, I read like a first grader. There's no way I'm ever going to read out loud. But I went to the Writer's Reading Workshop with urging from people in my group. And I've actually really done it. Another thing you can do is participate in workshops. And to that end, I have begun developing workshops that I would be willing to present for free. And they're not on my website yet, but I will put information up about that fairly soon. And you can take courses. I have one resource for you, which is Creative Writing Now. Their courses are very accessible. They are text-based and sent through email. They also have free articles on their site. And you can sign up for their email. And their course prices are in the two-figure range, not three or four like some other, other courses. You can obviously read and try to analyze or look 
at what you're reading, not just from the enjoyment perspective, but from the perspective as a writer, how did your favorite author accomplish what they did with that book? What did you like about it? How did they how did they manage it? And then finally, just sit down and try. Just do it. And then keep practicing. Do not quit. Do not give up. Excellent recommendations. That's very exciting. And we'd like to talk with you more about those workshops in the future as you flesh those out, those concepts and ideas, Marlene. We want to move on to the Q&A time because our hour is running out. So if you have questions for Marlene, please raise your hand. And while folks are doing that, I'm going to ask one more question. Could you tell us, Marlene, what your website address is and where your books are available for our listeners. My website, that's easy. It's Marl's Menagerie, M-A-R-L-S-M-E-N-A-G-E-R-I-E.com, or you should be able to link to where you can buy the books. They're available on Amazon. Uh, the Purging Fire is available through Audible, and most anywhere, iTunes, Google Play, Kobo, Walmart, Barnes & Noble, most anywhere you can find books. They're probably not actually there available, but you can ask for them. And one thing I'd like to leave you with, hopefully, is a stimulant towards a prompt. What is your story about? It's a limerick. What is your story about? Tell me. Now just spit it out. Does it have action to satisfaction? people, emotional clout, and I'd really love to hear from people, comments and questions. Excellent. You are a wonderful guest. Thank you so much, Marlene. You really are. Do we have love any your hands energy. raised? Yes. We do. Yes. Carol. I love the idea of the different types of poetry. And when you were talking about using them, and, I, and it occurred to me that, that if I use the sonnet, or limericks, or I love having to love haikus, the format and the form, that poetry helps me to put it together, because I know it has to have, you know, rhyming and ABC. And I wondered if you had a similar experience with that. Yeah, I really like the rhyming part of it, too. And haiku is a little bit difficult. I think I actually just started learning how to write a haiku. So you can start a story with a poem if you want when you're as a lead into your story, or you can, like I did, have it intermingle within the plot. So yeah, there's, there's definitely places for poetry. And I encourage you to keep writing for sure. And thank you. You're so welcome. I want to mention, uh, this is Kathy. I just listened to Purging Fire in the last few days. Ooh. And it's uh, her mystery series is definitely Christian, Christian characters, Christian issues, dealing with the world and talking about how Christians encounter it and deal with it and discuss it and wrestle with issues in their lives and all. So very much contemporary Christian mysteries okay. and, and works that she's doing. Yes, okay. absolutely. I'm really enjoying this. I had a comment and a question. First of all, I loved your analysis of the differences between prose and poetry. But one thing that confused me is that you said that, you know, a prose is divided by paragraphs and a poem by stanzas. 
sometimes there's just a poem that's just one long stanza. You know what I mean? So sometimes that's it's hard true. to tell from poetry mm-hmm. and prose. I find some poetry that to me is like somebody taking a bunch of paint colors and just smooshing them and throwing them on a canvas and they don't <laughs> mean anything. And I don't know. I feel secure with rhyme. And there's some things that it just doesn't send me. Is rhyme out of vogue? Or And some of these things are published too. So I like your comments about that and maybe some more guidance about telling a poem from you know, a piece of prose. That's a good point because it, what actually makes a difference in the format is the line structure. You don't necessarily have a complete sentence in a poetry line. It's basically going to be one line, one line, one line, one line, one line, like you said, if it's all one stanza, and even if it doesn't rhyme, but a paragraph is going to continue on in a string. Your sentences are going to be linked together, and you can tell, unless you've got one saying, oh, no, and that's just a paragraph or one-liner, but normally your paragraph is strung together into a cohesive combination, but the poem is always going to be a line, a line, a line, a line, if that makes sense. Yes, that makes sense. It, it really does. And then what did you say about the difference between in poetry, the words are beats and in prose, it was something else. Prose, your words and lines are joined together in sentences in complete thoughts. And the beats in poetry, which are the stressed and unstressed syllables, make up the rhythm of the poem. Stressed, unstressed, stressed, unstressed, stressed, unstressed, stressed, or however many you put together, stressed, unstressed makes one beat. And then how the beats are put together, how many of them makes the rhythm of that line. And then the word at the end, if you rhyme it or you rhyme every other word, then that is the rhyme scheme. Thank you so much. Alice? Thank you. And Marlene, I'm just delighted to be able to hear most of your presentation today anyway. And I wonder, have you spoken about the covers of your book? If you have not yet done so, could you describe those a little bit for us? And also, I'm curious, have you dedicated each of your book to uh, someone? Would you be willing to share that with us? And thanks for all of the information. Hi, Alice. It's good to hear you. She's in my writer's group, and she is an amazing poet as well. I haven't talked about the covers yet. I did dedicate edgy poetry to Behind Our Eyes, and I have another one coming out, I hope, by the end of the year called The Author's Edge, and that will also be be dedicated to Behind Our Eyes because they've contributed so much to my poetry. The cover of Edgy Poetry is actually a photo that I took when we were coming home from work during a thunderstorm. We were driving in the car, and on the right hand of the photo, you can see the trees that that are kind of swaying, but you can tell that the sun is out, and there's a hill, and there's a little bit of clouds in the the sky, in the blue sky. And on the left-hand side of the picture, you can see part of the tops of the trees that are swaying. The sky is the grayish, dark grayish color. And it is actually like somebody took two pictures and put them together, but it's the same of one single photo. You're going from the sunshine literally into the thunderstorm and from no rain to rain. And it's just, wow, it was weird. It was like from one step to next step. And it's 
it's not a gradual. It's like here it's sunny, here it's thundering and raining and pouring. Cover of the Cat Stalker's Sonnets has a picture of a, a face with a black mask around the head with the cat ears on it. It's think of sort of like Batman's uh, cowl with the cat ears. The snowball effect has a picture of a snowball going downhill. It's not very sinister, but and sky above with some clouds. And in the upper right-hand corner, there is a very nice golden sun-colored cross that David actually created for the book. And in the snow, in the track of the snow from the snowball, it says Four Elements of Mystery Book Two. And then uh, the author's name will be at the bottom. And when the audio book comes out, it'll say performed by Timothy G. Little also on it. Cover of the Purging Fire shows a girl looking in the mirror. And there's a, a closet open on the left of where she is. It's like a, a laundry basket and things in the closet. But you're seeing the back of her head and she's looking at herself in the mirror. But behind her, you can see a white, white coat. But you can't see the top of the person because she can't see his head because of the mask. One thing I do on my back covers is I like to have another author's review below my summary, a, a small couple line review. So on all my books, you will find an, a quote from an author and their book mentioned. Smart idea. Thank you, Marlene. That was <laughs> nice to hear. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alice. I'm glad you're here. Okay, the next person we have is Lisa. Hi. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you. Great interview, and that was wonderful. Thank you very much. And Cheryl and Kathy, another one knocked out of the park. I have a question. What's a good format, besides writing a writing prompt and sharing and in interviews, for a once-a-month writing group? Any thoughts? Hmm. Critiquing is a good way. That way you can discuss each other's piece and maybe get ideas that you hadn't thought of how to improve it or questions about why it's a certain way. That's a really good question. We'd have to think on that one. Okay, that's a good idea, the, the critiquing. So would you set it out beforehand, like ask people to put something up online so that this way they could see what it is they're going to be critiquing? Yes, and, and actually, we send those out by email because you don't want to publish it online because it's copyrighted material. You don't want it distributed unless it's in a password protected space. What if it's in like Google Groups? It's just a very, very yep, small that'd be group. Good. Yeah. That'd, be, oh, so that'd be good. Okay, it's mm -hmm. just a guide dogs group, but it's just, you know, very small. I really thank you. This writing works wonders is, is a wonderful <laughs> opportunity for writing. And the interview was wonderful. Thank you, Marlene. Good. We're Thank happy you. to hear that. So are folks ready for next week's prompt? We have it for you. And you can also receive these in your email and on the website. At the website, you go to contact us and you can sign up for the Zoom email. And that includes also the writing prompts. And there's a writing prompt page and it also lists them there. So you have a few options. But this one is for August 27th, which is also the open mic. Here it is. Use the following five words to create a 50 to 75 word story or poem. The five words are conundrum, serendipity, diabolical, bamboozled, and kaleidoscope. You can thank Cheryl for this question. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> 
So your five words to create a 50 to 75 word story or poem are conundrum, serendipity, diabolical, bamboozled, and kaleidoscope. Have fun with that one. All opportunities to participate in our contest writing prompts and open mic reservations are available through our Contact Us portal at writingworkswonders.com. Marlene, thank you so much for a wonderful interview. Yes. And audience, thank you for the fabulous questions. Thank you so much, Marlene. This has been just fabulous. Thank you. Thank and my you. pleasure. I'm so happy to have been here with you two. It's just great. And as usual, our episodes are there at writingworkswonders.com. And all opportunities for Zoom calls, contests, writing prompts. Don't forget the contest coming up. We also have a donate button because we volunteer our time, but we still have to pay tech costs. And you can contact Cheryl and Kathy via the Contact Us page, email at writingworkspodcast at gmail.com. And you may also phone us or text us at 347-467-0221. We've also opened up an opportunity that if you have a writing prompt response, and you're having difficulty with the online form or anything, let us know. If you want to email, you can do that. You can also leave a voicemail on that telephone number, and we'll put your prompt in the system. That number is 347-467-0221. Above all else, we want you to be encouraged, inspired, and enjoy the wonder of writing. We look forward to being with you all next time. Thank you for joining us today at Writing Works Wonders. Kathy and I are thrilled to spend time with you. Now tap on that button that says subscribe so you will not miss our show. We also have a donate button, and that's to help with the expenses that Kathy and I incur in order to keep this show and podcast going. There's a link there that you can tap on that will take you directly to our website at www.writingworkswonders.com. There you will find all the information we talked about today along with show notes and so much more. We want you to feel encouraged and inspired to know the wonder of writing. And until next time, our friends, keep on writing. Mm-hmm.